I wanted to, uh, I wanted to jump on out of uh, Luke chapter 19. I didn't know we'd be there. But the passage today, although it's only four verses, deserves to be heard. I also, I, I told you uh, over the last few weeks, I have this feeling like I'm sw swinging this giant, you know, Thor's hammer at you for the last, you know, two months. Uh, but I, I, I sleep pretty well because I know that I'm walking through the scripture, right? I, I, it's not like I'm taking aim at you or anything, throwing punches that, 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 that I just feel are necessary to knock you into place. Today is, is no exception, okay? And part of me hesitates to tell you what I'm about to tell you because I don't want you to just shut me down. Just be like, I'm gonna sit through this because and, and, everybody, me, we need to hear what, what, what's about to be said here. At the same time, as I was sitting at, at my desk thinking through this, uh, this week, uh, even into this morning, I know, I know, I know you. I, I know you. I've been here long. I know you. I know your warts. I know your, the cuts and the scrapes and the bruises. I've seen you celebrate. Uh, I know you and you know me and, and here we are. All right? And there are going to be three, three types of responses to this morning's message, okay? Actually, there's going to be four, but I don't really count the fourth one. The fourth one is nothing, no reaction whatsoever, and I'm not including that. You know, you're just here to be here, you know, taking your place up in the pew. God bless you, I love you, but that, I don't even consider that a response. You, you're not here anyway, right? You're not all here. All right. Three types of responses. The first one is this. Can't believe he said that. Can't believe he said it, and I hope he didn't think he was talking to me. Because he doesn't understand what's going on in my life. He doesn't understand that excuses and garbage and anger and bitterness, and I'm telling you right now, if you feel that way when you walk out here, the sermon was for you. Number two, mm. 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 I, didn't, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't like that very much, but I can leave now, all right, heard it, it landed, but I'm going to brush it off and move on, Okay? You're not responding in anger. You're not emotionally moved. But, you know, you've either got this thing where I'm not going to change or that was for someone else. Okay? Three. Ouch. I really, really, really need to check myself. Not only check myself, but I need to get off the train that I'm on. And in order to get off the train that I'm on, it's going to require a little bit of embarrassment. It's going to require a little bit of hurt. But if I don't stand up and take the little bit of hurt and a little bit of shame and a little bit of embarrassment, I'm going to be exactly where I am in another year. That's called confession and repentance. And it is what's required of us to get right. 
And church people have been running from it for so long that we don't even know how to do it anymore. But it takes real, mature people for that to happen. Most of the time it happens in real, broken people. Okay? Now I'm going to read this and you're going to be like, what? We'll get there. So Jesus rides into town on a donkey in front of hundreds of thousands of people who are coming into town for the largest of the feasts, who are gathering near the temple, and he comes in as a king, as a conqueror would come in, but doesn't, all right? And it's not a giant white stallion, it's a mule, all right? And, and they wave the palm branches and, and they, they say the name king and, 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 you know, he gets this triumphal entry, right? And then he gets off the mule and beelines, I mean, all right, to the church. He heads straight to the church, right? And this is what happens. When Jesus entered the temple courts, he began to drive out those who were selling. It is written, he said to them, my house will be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. Every day he would teach at the temple, but the chief priests and teachers of the law and the leaders among the people were trying to kill him. Yet they could not find any way to do it because all the people hung on his every word. All the people hung on his every word. There is another story about this in Mark, all right, where Jesus clears out the temple. And it happens very early in the ministry. And people have a hard time with that. It happens in John also. People have a hard time with it because the picture we get is of a very angry Jesus, right? And that doesn't fit for us. It doesn't, doesn't track with us. A very angry, fuming, red-faced Jesus flipping tables, throwing money. Even in one, he has a cat of nine tails. He has a, a flog, you know, in his hand. And he is, you know, moving them out of the temple, you know, like a whip, right? And that just doesn't, that doesn't track with us. It's not what we're used to. That's not the Jesus we know, except, except it is him. It is, in fact, Jesus, right? And, and so what Jesus does here <laughs> is the Pharisees are muttering about him. The people are praising him and he heads to the temple. Now, everybody is gathered around the temple and everybody has traveled from all all across the region to come. The city swells in size. I think I told you last week, could have been more than 2 million people coming into Jerusalem. And they could have traveled from who knows how far away. And with your donkeys, with your families uh, on foot, it, this could have been days, even weeks of travel to get from where you were to get to Jerusalem and to get into the temple, all right? Jesus goes there and, and this place of worship has been turned into 
Walmart. Okay? It has been turned into Walmart. Okay? He goes in and the cash registers are dinging and, you know, people are going through and scanning their own things. Ding, ding, ding. Receipts are being printed out. And Jesus is like, what? Now, some people take this and they talk about consumerism. They talk about materialism. It becomes about the money changing hands, right? Doesn't have anything to do with the heart of this. All right? Doesn't have anything to do with the heart of this. I've had this song on, on, on in my head all week. Uh, what, the, the song, it's time to get down to the heart of the matter. You know what I'm talking about, that old song? And, and it's been playing on a loop in my head, just the chorus. And I want to get to the heart of why Jesus got so upset. Now, yes, he was upset that the worship center had become a consumeristic center. He was upset that people were spending more time with the, the money changers and more time with the people buying and selling than they were uh, uh, lifting their hands in praise. Yes, that is upsetting, but that's not the heart of the matter. In order to understand the heart of the matter, you have to understand about the trip, about the Passover, about the worship center, and about the area that he got to. When you came to the temple, all right, just as we come to church today, you were required, not because the preacher required you, not because the Pharisees required you, although they were very legalistic in this, you were required to bring the sacrifice, to bring your first fruits, to bring the best of what you had as an offering, as a sacrifice to the temple, okay? That was a requirement, not of the people, but from God. That's what he asked of them, and they wanted to follow that. But here's the deal. If I want to bring my very best goat, my very best lamb, all right, and I want it to be blemish free, you got to understand that, you know, we left three or four days ago. And, and, and traveling with, with, with my children and with a baby lamb, that's, that's difficult. And you know that thing's going to use the bathroom. That thing's going to, you know, be stinky. We got to clean it up. We got to make sure that its hooves are wiped down. It's going to slow our journey down. Some of, somebody's got to carry it and that's going to get heavy and then your back's going to hurt because it's hard to walk. And we can't put it on the mule because that's not going to work out. And that, to be honest with you, there's so many reasons why I can't bring my best chicken or I can't bring my best lamb or I can't bring my best animal to the temple. And besides, somebody's going to make it easy on me. It's a whole lot easier if I get there and I just purchase, all right, an animal that's already there and I just take it in and that is my gift to God. I'll just write a check for it and that can be my gift. That's thing two. Thing three is there was an area in the heart of the temple, right? The Holy of Holies. And then basically you'd have the, the worship center and then you'd have the outer worship center and then you'd have the temple courts. 
This took place outside the temple, in the temple courts, and in the secondary worship area. That secondary worship area was for non-Jews, Gentiles, okay? And so all around them in the place where they were supposed to be able to worship, they set up these tables, they brought in these animals. So you've got a petting zoo, all right, mixed with a, a mall, right, all right? You've got all of this stuff going on, and it's literally impossible because of the stink, all right, because of the noise, because of the, the people um, 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 bargaining on their, their prices, all right? It's impossible to worship, and the Jewish leaders who supposedly are okay with, but they're not okay at all, with people outside of their race, people out, those uncircumcised ones who are now allowed, according to Jesus, to come in and worship. Hey, you know what we're going to do? We'll do the business out there. And the leadership was not just allowing it, they were supporting it because the money that was made got inflated. There are actually books that teach that they had sometimes 125% was what they found at times that the increase was on this. And the church was taking a cut off the top. Go interrupt their place. They're not as good as us. Come bring your offerings to Jesus, but don't worry about it being hard. Don't worry about being difficult. In fact, don't even worry about bringing something that's yours. We'll provide you a substitute to give to the Lord. That's why Jesus is mad. That's why Jesus is mad. Now the question comes, what, what's that have to do with us? Couple questions. Do you believe deep down in the depths of your heart. That this Jesus that we sing to, that I preach about, this Jesus of the scripture, is he for everyone? I mean, is he for the homeless? Is he for the ones that don't smell so good? That don't look so good? Is he for the ones that interrupt your worship experience? Is he for the, is he for the ones who don't know how to act like we act? Is he for the ones who, who want to keep on doing what they're doing but still find him? Do, do you believe it? Do you believe it in action? You'll nod your head at me all day long. If they were here and there were more of them than us, would you believe it with your heart? It's a hard question. Because people who don't know and don't look to Jesus, and don't, they, 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 they disrupt our flow. They make us uncomfortable. Is Jesus for the uncomfortable? See, the Jewish leaders, they didn't, they didn't like what they saw. They didn't like what they saw in the Jesus they had taught about because they didn't know him. Do we have a, do we have a consumer Jesus in our lives? Do we have a fake Jesus? Do we like, do we like bigger services and, and more people and, and greater teaching and fancier worship and, and more lights and better children's programs and better teen experiences? Do we like that or do we like Jesus? Here's the second hard question. Is your gift costly? 
Is your gift costly? Would Jesus be happy about what you bring to him when you come to the temple? Or is it, you know, I, my, 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 my car payment was just a little bit more this week. My kid's birthday was this week. Uh, so uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to have to give, you know, what's left. I'll grab something on the way in. Or does it require sacrifice? Is it a little harder? Is it a little more difficult? See, that's what we don't want to hear. Jesus is so full of grace and he's so full of mercy that the things that he invites us to do to be a part of him, the things that he invites us to give to be a part of, we're like, well, God wouldn't want me to not have the car that I have. God wouldn't want me to not give my daughter that God wouldn't want me to not go on this vacation. God wouldn't want me to not go to this concert. God wouldn't want that from me. So he's happy that I'm happy. No, he's not. He's happy if you're obedient. And he's tired of you finding ways and me finding ways to allow his word to be watered down and easy. And he will flip a table to get your attention. And he is angry and he did not sin in his anger. There's the difference. And I know that's going to bother people in this room. Look at my face. I don't care. And I'm going to tell you why I don't care. It's in the very first verse. Jesus said these three words. It is written. You want the heart of the matter? There it is. It is written. We've gone away from because the Bible says so. Well, Craig, why do you ask that of me? Because the Bible says so. Why do you do things the way you do around here? The Bible says so. Jesus starts with the answer. It is written. You, you shouldn't need anything else. Why would I have to give 10% of what I work hard to make? That's crap. You don't work hard for anything that he doesn't give to you. You don't wake up if he doesn't want it, much less have anything. So stop talking about what you did to get what you got. He gives you 90. Stop coming into the church and going, oh, I, I, I'll sign up for this. Oh, I'll help out here. Well, I had to stop. I was getting ready to say something I shouldn't. That's the truth. I was getting ready to say something I shouldn't. Because there's part of me that's angry. There's part of me that's angry. When 60 people sign up to help Cy and kids ministry every month and 20 show up. Part of me is angry when 30 people sign up to help clean the church once a month. And now we got about 11 or 12 left. And it's the same 11 or 12 that are serving in kids ministry. So yeah, part of me is angry. I'm not angry at you. I'm not angry at you. I love you. I, I, I can't. My heart hurts. Because God has so much more for you. And it's not that he's asking something of you. He's saying, if you only knew. 
If you only knew how good it could be if you just do what I say and stop doing what you think. If you only knew how good it could be to serve me, to give to me, how amazing church could be if people would just listen. Listen to what? It is written. I'm up here every Sunday morning making stuff up. Trying to buy myself a bigger house and a nicer car. Y'all have seen my car. Y'all have heard my car. Every time I stop, everybody knows where I am. It's like my whistle. I whistle, people know where I am. I hit the brakes, people know where I am. Amen. It's the best thing ever when my wife... We're in Atlanta. That's a big airport. My wife, early on, like second, third year of marriage, she bebops out of the girls' room, huge smile on her face, which made me laugh. It's like, all right, was it fun? You know, it's just the bathroom, babe. She goes, no. She said, I was just sitting in there and I heard you because I was whistling. And she said, I knew where you were. I knew you were close. Best thing ever. She always knows where I am, right? Thing number three, when Jesus gets angry, how did they respond? When Jesus throws a backhand, how do you respond? Do you respond with excuses? Do you respond with disdain? Do you respond like the church people did in here? They plotted to kill him. I don't want to listen to this anymore. You don't understand, Mr. Teach Your Own Thing. We've been here for years. The church is fine. People do what we say. We teach them to follow the word. And when the Messiah comes, when the Messiah comes... He's standing right in front of you, flipping tables over, and you got no clue. If Jesus came in today, would you notice? It is written. It was written before. It's like telling the disciples over and over again, I'm going to die. No, you're not. We're going to Jerusalem. No, you're not. The temple's going to be destroyed and rebuilt in three days. No, it's not. Ah! They were surprised. Jesus is like, I told you. And some of us are that way. Preacher rips into you and you're like, oh, what did he do that for? I told you. It is written. My daughter just said, he's wowed. It is written. You remember the book, All I Really Needed to Know I Learned in Kindergarten? Y'all remember that one? I, I, I jump back to that all the time and I read it all the time because there's so much goodness in there because he tells some really practical things. And Robert Fulgham has been all kinds of jobs, a rabbi, a teacher. And, but the premise of the book is that if we just get back to what we learned in kindergarten, I mean, if we all just had milk and cookies and took a nap every day, wouldn't the world be a better place? Let's get an amen. I mean, if we held hands before we crossed the street, you know, if we shared, if we put things back where we found them, if we didn't take what wasn't ours, wouldn't the world be a better place? 
Same with church, people. If we just remembered that Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. If we, if we just remember that Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. If we just stopped seeing color, if we just stopped making excuses, if we just stopped, just love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. It's not that simple. It is that simple. How do you know? Because it is written. And the one who wrote it has never been wrong. And it just so happens that every time we find out something good, God's always like, well, it was right there. Every time we figure out something that brings our hearts joy, uh, it was right there. The question is not that you don't know what to do. You ready? The question is that you just choose not to. The question is not that you don't know what to do. The question is that the people in this room choose not to. And I know you don't want to hear this, but Jesus goes straight to the church and he pulls out a cat of nine tails. And he says, this is supposed to be a house of prayer. You've made it a den of robbers. This is supposed to be about how much you can pour out, how much you can give to me. And you have made it so easy. Hey, preacher, try to keep, try to get out of here by 1130. Hey, 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 preacher, try not to ask too much more than more of me than I can give. Hey, man, I'm good with you, but not this day or this day or this day. Hey, don't you understand that I do this? So I don't have to do that. Where is that written? In the book of me. The gospel of me, 24-7. Listen, following Jesus wholly, W-H-O-L-L-Y, following Jesus wholly, requires sacrifice. Inherent in the word sacrifice is loss. But inherently in the gospel, Jesus promises gain. He just doesn't tell you what kind. Monetary, maybe. Health, maybe. Children, maybe. Church family, maybe. I don't know. I know that it is written, I will give you more than you could ask for or imagine. But it, there's nothing in there after the word more and, and, and the word that than you can ask or imagine. There's not, there's not a little thing in there that tells me what that more is going to be. I'm going to give you more babies. I'm going to give you more money. I'm going to give you money. There's no, there's no little parentheses with stuff in it. He just promises more. That's what's written. And I've told you time and time again, with God, when God asks us, when God calls us, when God commissions us, he says, go ye therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, teaching them to obey what I've commanded you. And he makes one promise. What is it? In good, bad, sickness, health, rich, poor, death, not death, I will be with you. And church, the question is, is that enough? Your sacrifice is what lets him know. You wonder why I'm always going time, talent, tithe. 
because that's our sacrifice. That's our spiritual act of worship. That's how we know we're transformed. When we give, serve, and love deeply, sacrificially, not easily. You say, but I don't have, I can't do, it's a little, that's probably because it's sacrificial. If it's inconvenient, you're probably getting closer. If it hurts your checkbook, you're probably getting closer. If your bills get tighter, well, we're in a recession, and you're probably getting closer. But if we hit a recession and Jesus is the first one to go, I can promise you you're getting further. It's amazing that Jesus never reacted or responded or did anything that was apart from his Father. I am in the Father and the Father is in me. And he could always simply go, but that's what I said. <laughs> you know, when, he, when he's denying temptation, well, it is written. When he's denying temptation the second time, well, it is written. When he's denying temptation the third time, well, it is written. When he flips the tables in the church, well, it is written. When he goes to the cross, well, it was written. When he says, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but now be done. Guess what? It was written. There was a phrase when I was a kid that I want to leave you with. I want you to ponder it. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Let that sit on your life today. Do you live your life that way? God said it, I believe it, the matter is settled. No if, no ands, no buts. Let's pray. God, Work in us, work in us to dramatically reprioritize our lives as your church people. Let us not be religious. Let us not be pharisaical. Let us not be the whiners and the complainers who, who mock and who push away. Let us be the sacrificial givers and, and lovers, that God, the, the uncomfortable who, who yes, it's hard to serve you. Yes, it's hard to deal with people. God bless, it's hard to deal with people. But that is the beautiful mess that you've called us to. That is where the more comes from. The acts of service and then the slow and beautiful process of you taking the old and making it new. Of you taking the broken and making it well. Of you taking the, the, the dead and bringing them to life. God, change us so drastically. Reprioritize our lives so perfectly, so, so amazingly that, that there is nothing. It is you. And then all the rest falls underneath it as a gift. All the rest falls underneath it as a gift. May the words of my mouth and meditations of my heart please you. 
May your word be a treasure in our hearts that we might not sin against you. May people walk away from here today going, I must be different. Because it is written, I will. Because it is written, I will. I don't need proof. I don't need anything. I, because it is written, I will. May that be my goal, God. And may your Holy Spirit call all others to it. In Jesus' name, and amen.